Hi, my name is Sean Wycliffe, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of DealFlix, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. You're listening to the, another episode of the App Guide podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp, and I am here to serve you and bring you some of the best guests that I can find that will help you develop your business, help you with your app world, whatever that may be. So uh, we often talk uh, to a lot of individuals, but today I really wanted to focus on social because I have managed to get the attention of two of the uh, co-authors of a book called A World Gone Social. This is a fascinating journey. I recommend you go and search for it now. Uh, all recommended good book bookstores on Amazon. Uh, if you uh, look at it, you'll see that the um, co-authors are uh, Ted Coyne and Mark Babbitt. Ted, Mark, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thank you, Paul. It's great to be here. Our pleasure to be here, Paul. Well, you'll notice, first of all, that we've got two guests. So this is a one in every 50 episodes this happens. So it means it's already a special episode. So let's go and um, start with you, Ted. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself in a few minutes and what it is that inspired you to write this book. Sure. Uh, so I am, kind of have a, a serial mess uh, as a uh, resume. I've been an entrepreneur a number of times. I've uh, also worked for other companies. And right now, I'm uh, one of the three partners running switchandshift.com, which is a leadership blog, uh, number two most socially shared on the web. And um, we've got number one in our sites, but it's a friend of ours, so it's a friendly competition. Uh, so... I met Mark Babbitt, my co-author for this book and, and partner with Switch and Shift, a couple years ago, and um, I asked him to help me write this book, which thankfully he, uh, he agreed because I needed some help uh, fleshing it out, rounding it out, and he certainly filled in my gaps and I think vice versa. Uh, and Mark, what uh, gave you the impetus to, uh, to write the book? Well, I, we we lived a lot of what's in this book, both with Switch and Shift and a in a community that I that I founded uh, in addition to my work at Switch and Shift um, called U Turn, and it it occurred to me as we were even as we were building U Turn, we started in 2010, how much the world had changed. How it used to be that you you know you had to go get the VC money you, you or, or starve you uh, you know in a, in a self funded environment. You had to spend a bazillion dollars on advertising, and now through social, we could start a business, an entire community of thousands of people uh, globally, uh, just by leveraging social media. And and uh, unless you went and bought a, a huge enterprise analytics solution, it was all basically free or nearly free. And it occurred to me as Ted was talking to me about writing the book. How much that not that didn't change just a little bit, but it that's a dramatic change from where it used to be. And now, a solopreneur, uh, you know, a guy working from home like I do, raising kids, we could all be just as powerful as the as the well-funded VC-backed startups. And that was intriguing to me. And the more we got into writing the book, the more we found out that not only that was true, but but how 
how the little guys were had this huge leg up. Now they weren't even, you know, it wasn't a matter of them. Well, now we finally get to compete. They were not. They were not just competing in a lot of cases because they were more nimble, because they were more social. They were actually kicking butt and doing really well, and that and that's exciting. So, once once we get, uh, dove into the book, it turned out to be a whole lot of fun to get it on paper. You know, and the relevance for the App Guide podcast is that we see so many apps now that are built from this social uh, platform. Let's take the example of Candy Crush. You know, the huge phenomenal Candy Crush that uh, I um, have never played, and I'm very happy about that. But uh, I did see it all over Facebook. And they had a very mm-hmm. big strategy for uh, putting themselves in the timeline on mobiles, on Facebook, and getting enormous uh, downloads that way, which then ultimately led to the viral behavior, the traction, and the huge phenomenal success that that was. Are you seeing that more often, uh, you know, and in, in, uh, I guess not just Facebook, but the other social platforms? So here's the thing about, um, you know, these companies, like, take uh, Candy Crush going to the mobile app. People are mobile now, and a lot of legacy companies still aren't mobile. It's really remarkable, whereas app developers are just saying, sure, why not? Let's do it. Mobile's easy. You know, I mean, nothing is easy. Let's not belittle the work that they're doing, but we can do mobile, and if that's where people are, done. We're there. So um, it's really neat seeing how the people who are writing apps now are getting, you know, they, they've jumped on this bandwagon before the big established companies even get it. A lot of them still are not very good on mobile. Um, I'm involved very actively here in the uh, tech community in Naples, Florida. And um, so I have a number of friends who are part of you know your population. These are people who develop apps, and some of them do it as a full time you know work. Some of them do it on the side. Some of them do it for fun, and some of them to launch you know uh, big successful enterprises. And um, it's just so fun watching somebody able to sit down at their computer anywhere in a coffee shop and create something that you used to need an entire uh, huge corporate infrastructure to make. Absolutely. And Mark, what, what are your thoughts on that, that the well, apps being used to, to really you know, be sold on, on social media and going, going viral? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you an example, if you don't mind. A, a, a relatively um, close neighbor of mine up here in the Seattle, Washington area in the U.S., they, uh, he, he created an image viewer for the iPhone. And, and it was just one guy. He, um, he's another guy who works at home. He has three, three daughters. Uh, he never goes anywhere, but he came up with this great solution. And and before he knew it, on the strength of social media and blogging and, of course, word of mouth and reviews on iTunes, he got four million downloads, right? Just one guy in his in his shop. And and he did it all on the strength of of social and, and just getting the word out. Never spent a penny on advertising, right? That's That's pretty exciting stuff. And, again, that wouldn't happen in the industrial age. It couldn't happen. You know, we'd all be beating our heads against the, uh, against the wall, against the big boys. And, and so this is very exciting. Yeah, and, you know, you're the apps to tribe listening to this right now. Just, you know, I'm appealing to the audience that it's, it's incredible that we can actually, as, you know, solopreneurs, have such an impact on uh, life and on the world. You know, one of the big challenges, though, 
uh, to both of you, one of the, the big challenges going forward is that because there's low barriers to entry, I mean, here we are, I'm doing a podcast using a Mac and a microphone and working from home, <laughs> you know, so we, we don't have big production uh, costs anymore. But we do have the challenge of attention and getting people's attention from your, uh, there we go. Look, someone's uh, got, got a smartphone out. <laughs> uh, do you need, if you need to get that, you know, you, you're welcome to get it. No, sorry, Paul. <laughs> you're just showing off. You're, 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 are you playing the game where we have to try and guess the phone? No, I was, I was playing Candy Crush. Um, <laughs> no, so somehow, somehow, even though I know better, I failed to turn the ringer off on my phone. I'm sorry. Yes. Well, there you go. That's one of the things that smartphones are with us all the time. You know, you're not going to get interrupted by a, a desktop alert or anything. But uh, I was, I was really hoping that it was low enough you couldn't hear it. But obviously, that was not the case. Well, come on. Let, let's face it. We've already heard Mark <laughs> typing away on the, the laptop, and when you're talking, he's writing a book. I think so. <laughs> 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 so, Paul, it's really funny. So, you know, I give a lot of uh, talks uh, to audiences. And a few years ago, if you see somebody reach for their phone, you might think, boy, you know, that's really rude. Now you just have to assume. This is what I tell myself. If anyone is ever reaching for their phone, looking at their phone and typing into it while I'm giving a talk, I just tell myself, okay, this guy's tweeting something really wise I just said. Because otherwise, it's just going to crush your ego. Yeah, there's a real social etiquette problem, isn't there, I guess, with phones everywhere. And, uh... <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, you have a really good point, which is that because the barrier to entry is so low, on the one hand, that's really good for everybody who, you know, we don't need the millions of dollars to get started. On the other hand, it's bad because there are millions and millions of apps out there. And how do you get through? How do you break through all of that noise in order to get your app discovered by your, the audience you want? And that really is what I think social can do for you. Um, you, you build relationships over time, build a reputation by providing value, be what we call uh, a relentless giver. And the people in your audience say to themselves, uh, you know, these are the people that you follow as well as they follow you. They say, okay, so this person is providing a tremendous amount of value to me. He's an expert in something or he's a, a really good uh, you know, communicator, he introduces me to the links I need to know. Um, and now he's got a great new app out. Okay, I'm going to pay attention to this person. So I'm into being very authentic and open and transparent. I love I love this world that we're living in, you know, where we just re um, almost reveal the, all the stuff behind the curtains. And uh, the reason I say that is that I discovered this week, and I can't believe I haven't found this before, the analytics tool for Twitter. And uh, I don't know if you've been on there, but it shows you uh, basically the impressions and the engagement that you're getting on Twitter. Now, what I was really surprised at is that I've had a lot of uh, very popular guests who have huge followings and, uh, you know, you would expect to have very large impacts from their tweets about my show. But when I go into the analytics, mm -hmm. the uh, impressions to their follow account is actually quite low um, mm. you know, as a percentage. And then uh, an impression to an engagement is is even lower. You know, that means that, that people are just skipping through these timelines and not really engaging with the content on Twitter. It, it, is there anything you can talk to? Ted, maybe let's start with you. You know, perhaps 
talk through your experience with Twitter as, as you've written this book and, uh, and what we can do to improve engagement? Well, it's really funny. I think people get the, the wrong impression, especially people who just are not on Twitter at all. And there sure are a lot of them still. Um, especially in the town Naples where I live in, where probably the average age is uh, maybe, you know, 70. Uh, it's probably actually higher than that. So there's a lot of people who still are not social or they're just on Facebook to share vacation pictures or something like that, you know, with their grandkids or something. But it, the the thing that people don't get is, you know, they say, oh, boy, you've got 370,000 people following you on Twitter. If you just got them all to give you a dollar a year, that'd be pretty special. You know what? Why would they give me a dollar a year? Why wouldn't I give them a dollar a year? And I certainly don't have that much money to give, you know, <laughs> 300,000 people, right? It's not like that. And the other thing is people are not, um, you know, they're not on all the time. I check my Twitter feed and, you know, just for like two minutes as I'm walking downstairs to get myself a coffee. And then I'm back doing the next thing. So I catch, you know, three, four, five tweets. I might click through to one link if I'm on at that time. So the, it's, it's false to say that, you know, the number of people following you is the number of people who are going to uh, click through to the links that you share. A lot of them just aren't there. It's not that they, or, or a lot of them, they, they look at the title of the link and they say, okay, that one's not for me. I'm going to move on. Um, maybe we should think of, of Twitter more like a, a spring hour where there's rain all around us and only a few of those raindrops are going to hit us and that's okay just kind of go with it but over time over a very long period of time you can get to know people really well for instance mark lives in seattle i live in, i live in florida we've only physically met twice uh so we we met on twitter we went to the phone we had google plus hangouts where we got to see each other face to face and all of that gradually built a relationship where I trust Mark as a, a you know, real expert in his field and a very good guy. And over time, we started working with him for our business. So my other business partner and I um, you know, reached out to Mark when we uh, needed some intern help. And that's kind of how we started working with him with Switch and Shift. And then later, we brought him on as a partner. It wasn't putting out a tweet, hey, who wants to be a partner on this company that we have? And, you know, Mark raised his hand out of, you know, uh, out of the 10,000 people who also raised their hand and we chose him. That's not how, how Twitter works. And it's, it's something that a lot of people just haven't wrapped their heads around yet unless they're immersed in the medium. Yeah, Mark, do you have any thoughts on, on the way you use Twitter and, and to help us use Twitter better? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, uh, here's what it comes down to. It comes down to social proof. And and I say this all the time to the point Ted gets tired of hearing it, but what we say about us as marketing, what everybody else says about us, and hopefully it's positive, is branding. And, and I think what people have done is they've taken not just Twitter, but also Facebook and now the, the publisher system on LinkedIn, which is just a spammy mess that I refuse to even participate in, um, it's, it's, it's all about me. And it's all about wanting you to read my content or buy my product. And, and you know, we don't, we don't talk like that in real life. If, um, Paul, if I, if I ever came to Dubai and had, a, and had a beer with you, I wouldn't ask you to buy something first, right? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't. Make you would. It a you would if you're English. 
No. <laughs> See? <laughs> Can you get me so, that beer, please? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. The beer. The beer. Good point. Um, you know, it, it, life doesn't work that way. And, and in, a lot of, in a lot of cases, especially the big companies, which is why the small, nimble groups are, seem to, to get it so much better, they've, they've simply replaced social media with another broadcast mechanism. You know, we, we say in the book, uh, you know, more social, less media. And, and it's because people, you can't, you can't just stop buying ads on your favorite television show or your favorite, favorite cable network and replace that with, with bombarding people with tweets. It just doesn't work like that. And, and so it takes time to build relationships and it takes time to build the social proof. And it takes time, especially for, for us little guys, it takes time for us to develop the credibility where people want to talk about us. And they talk about our apps, they talk about our business, they talk about our customer service and our brand and us personally. And those are the tweets, if you, if you look at Twitter analytics, those are the ones that really find an audience, you know, where people go, yeah, I read that book too, or I've used that app too. And it works and it's great. And then it snowballs. But it's not, it's not the broadcasting tweets. It's not the me, me, me tweets that, that, that help you find engagement. It's it's when people are genuinely interested in care and are championing your brand. So, so Ted, Mark, I, I mean, this is very powerful stuff because uh, I, I'll explain what I've just done over the last year for, I mean, I'm speak, speaking specifically about Twitter because that's one I, I tend to use a lot more than I used to. Mm-hmm. So I have turned off all those automatic RSS feeds that, that go into mm-hmm. my tweets. I turned off all the uh, auto posting, the buffering, uh, anything that's sending out sort of automated stuff that's all been turned off for at least a year now because I was doing that to promote my apps and my businesses. Uh, I uh, only uh, try to engage. So I'm engaging with all my uh, follow uh, fellow uh, guests on, um, and I've put them into a managed list and I, I make sure that if they're, they're, they're promoting stuff and they're asking for help, that I'll retweet and I'll help. And what has been amazing to me is that, you know, even New York Times bestselling authors uh, are sending out stuff, tweeting it, and they'll only get, you know, one tweet and that's from me. So it just shows you, you know, especially to the listeners now who are listening this to this, you can engage and help out some very influential figures in the world just by simply helping them fulfill their needs. And then ultimately, I, I think that will come back. No, it's true. Um, a lot of the people that I have met along the way, I don't pay any attention to whether you're you know, somebody with a million people following you or with three people following you. Who cares? If, have you got something interesting to say? Have I noticed it at that time? That's the only thing that matters. It, am I online when you're sending it out? Um, <laughs> if I am, if I catch it. And it's interesting Sure, then you're providing me value. And the, the whole thing, you know, I think one problem that a lot of these people have without knowing any names that you're discussing is they have this industrial age mindset of I'm the expert, so I'm going to broadcast my opinion and enlighten everyone else. I don't need to follow them back. I don't need to engage with them in conversation online. I don't need to, um, you know, uh, really lower myself to their level and treat them as a peer or anything like that. And those people are the ones who have no traction on social. A lot of brands do it. A tremendous number of professors do it, which is just, it's just, it's a shame because a lot of these professors, I'm friends with some of them and they're really, they're valuable. They've got valuable things to say, but they don't say it in a way that makes people want to care. 
So, so Mark, he, here is what is one of the themes, the big themes coming out of my show. Um, your episode 137. So we've had a lot of uh, interviews. The big theme is that uh, social media is a little bit like uh, TV channels. When they first came out, there was only one, two or three or a handful to choose from. And then as the industry matured, there became a lot more choice. And uh, there was a, a complete um, expansion of uh, the, you know, what, what's on offer. And that's what's happening with social media. So, for example, we had a recent guest who has 1.3 million uh, f- uh, likes on Facebook. And all she's doing is an app that is posting cute little pictures of kittens and cats. Thanks. <laughs> Thankfully, getting all that rubbish off of Facebook. But uh, you know, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that there's an opportunity here for app developers to almost specialize in something specific to people's needs, like their interests, and then create an app or a community around that and then have them you know, share as many, for example, cat pictures as they like uh, between themselves because that's, that's the community. Do you feel that that's an opportunity for app developers, Mark? Well, I think I think we should invent that. We should call it Pinterest. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good right? idea. Yeah, that's what uh, you just described. Pinterest. Um, no, yeah. I mean mm. the niche is everything, Paul. The the niche is, you know, we can't uh, we can't be everything to everyone. And it's funny. I mean, think about think about little things like cupcake shops in New York, right? I was just in New York City, and that's all anybody was talking about was their favorite cupcake shops right it's like really cupcakes that's the topic and but but it, you just never know you know kitten pictures puppies babies cute babies uh you know or in the reds case really ugly babies you know it it it, it just you, you you have to find whatever your niche is and serve that niche really really well and and as you know you can't just you can't just blast out stuff about your app all the time you have to you have to show how people are using the app, and I'll bet that's one of the things that the the kitten app is doing really well. Is is she is engaging with the community that's using her product? And my guess is I don't know her, I don't know her app, but I'll I'll, I'll bet you that beer we just talked about that she is really really good at engaging with the people that are using her her tool, her app, and that's what's setting her apart from every other app out there. Yeah, actually, uh, Ted, this one's for you. Uh, you know. Yeah. The, one of the things that came up and we didn't really spend enough time talking about it I think this is a good mm-hmm. uh, opportunity is the uh, democratization of the timelines because some of these big social media uh, platforms like Twitter and uh, are, are um, really dominated by the big influencers you know the Justin Bieber's the people that have huge followings and they tend to then also also YouTube you know it tends to be the people with large uh, subscriber bases that get into the top uh, po- most popular mm-hmm. and and so almost you know it's it's harder as solopreneurs to to crack that viral you know nutshell because uh, it's it, you've got you know this really competitive um, uh, the big players and so you know her belief for example this was an app called Kloof was that there needs to be a, a fairer way of democratizing the timeline so that you know everyone gets the same sort of shout at getting into the the timeline rather than just the big players is could you speak to that point well here's the thing with whenever you bring famous people into any environment they're just going to dominate uh if you're a movie star you've already been in everybody's living room on you know rent to own or what have you and um 
sorry, not rent to own, but you know, um, instant video, that type of thing. Um, everyone knows who you are. And so then you jump on a social medium and boom, there you are, you know, you're famous and you're getting all the, I wouldn't say getting all the attention though. Sure. You're Justin Bieber is getting attention from Justin Bieber fans, but I have never seen a single tweet by that guy. Um, I don't even know what he looks like now that he's uh, a little bit older. I think he used to be blonde. I don't know what he is anymore. So the thing about social is there is a bit of democratization already. Now, for instance, there are millions and millions of people on Twitter. It's just my favorite, so that's what we keep going back to. Um, it's Mark's favorite as well. There's millions and millions of people on there. But in the leadership space, there's only a few hundred of us that really um, are constantly on there talking about leadership. In the app space, the people who are giving tips on building a business, building apps – there's my guess is there's probably only a few hundred of you or maybe even fewer and the kitten space. OK, they're very, very popular. But the people who love kittens all flock to a single spot where they find each other. We do this on Twitter through hashtags. We do it on Facebook through, you know, um, the pages that we set up, uh, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, you name it. We can filter these things. So if you're if you're mixing in the general population, never mind. You get lost in the in the noise. But with this, uh, I forget the the uh, name of the guy who coined this term, the long tail. The long tail is okay. There's going to be a few people who are in the mainstream and dominating it. But the long tail is the specialists, the niche players who carve out their little niche, have their very popular following, and that's why I don't know any mommy bloggers. But there are people who don't know me. But they sure know mommy bloggers. They find each other. That's what you have to do when you're trying to break out into a different, you know, um, environment. Make your own home. And I think it's really important not just to stand for something clear and something important, but to also make sure you do not stand for anything else. So if you're the app that makes, um, you know, math games for school kids. Don't make anything except math games for school kids unless you have dominated that and now you're ready to branch out into some other educational products for school kids. That focus is how you make your name. And Mark, let's just pretend that we are that app developer who's created Mac games for school kids. Yeah, let's take that as an example. Uh, what what tips should we be? Uh, could you give us that we should be doing right now on social? Are there any new platforms we may not have heard of? Uh, perhaps you can give us some insights into into how best tap into this social world. I think the, there's two. There's probably two segments to that, Paul. One is we have to find out where our audience sits, right? I mean, if we're if we're uh, Twitter people and yet our demographic is mostly on Facebook and Reddit, then we we better figure out Facebook and Reddit really quick. Right. Um, you know, and, and it's not as hard as it sounds. Right. I mean, uh, you know, people you say, oh, well, all the college students are on on Facebook. That's not true anymore. Right. It's 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 really niche dependent. But if if you if you have a product that's a little bit more maybe rebellious or subversive, then then maybe Reddit is the right choice for you. Right. Um, or or a Facebook community that 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 uh, speaks directly to that audience is the right move for you or a you know, starting a Twitter chat might be the right move. So that's the first thing is we have to find out where our customers are now. And then we have to go there. We can't, 
we can't start a big social media campaign and hope people find us. We have to go where they are. Um, the second thing is that we have to we have to find the people that are using our app now, right? Um, the parents of the of the school kids, the school kids themselves, uh, the teachers, the administrators who bought the product for their entire school. We have to get them to champion our product for us. We have to do testimonial branding. We have to get them involved on social. If they're not, by the way, we can't say, hey, Mr. Principal, you just bought you know $30,000 worth of our app for your entire school district. Would you please get on Twitter? And if they don't have a Twitter account, of course, the answer is going to be no. Right. right? <laughs> so it's like hiring. It's really like hiring. You, you have to find the person who loves your product, but you also have to find that the person who can translate that love of your product into an ambassadorship on social media and it's not easy but once you find those five or six or ten or twelve pretty soon it's 18 30 50 ambassadors of your product now they're talking about you and you're not and that that makes all the difference in the world yeah what i'm thinking of is hustle and uh, that word keeps coming up on this show you know you have to hustle for it and uh, you know a lot of these apps that are very popular now such as airbnb they were literally you know, Airbnb is a world phenomenal app, and uh, they were knocking on doors in San Francisco at the early stages. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, because I think that many of us as app developers are told that we have to scale and we have to do that, but there's no point in scaling if we don't have the uh, the, the people that you say, the ambassadors, the people promoting our, our product. So almost reaching out to those people individually, finding out where they are, and then creating and turning them into uh, ambassadors for the for the product, should we incentivize them, Ted? Is that something we should do? Incentivize those people? You know, so it's really funny you should ask that because I'm of two minds. One is that you want to make sure that the people who are ambassadors are, you know, not just shilling anything that will pay them, right? And the other thing is that can get very expensive very quickly. Uh, if you were to try, but the other thing is you have to be fair. If you're a company that has budget and you're not paying people to uh, support your brand, at what point are you taking advantage of them? So there's, there's that thing, I'll let everyone you know, walk their own moral path. Um, as far as compensating people, sometimes there, you know, there are people, fortunately, this world is full of people who just love to share a good thing, uh, to, to tell their friends a great tip that they found. Getting people like that to fall in love with your product speaks to me a lot less about paying those people and a lot more about creating an awesome product. Um, you know, and your your first app may not be awesome. It may just be okay because you're learning and your second app might be really good. Your third app might be, uh, you know, technically proficient but not very intriguing. But the thing is, are you learning app development and are you learning, um, you know, marketing? Because you're in sales. If you're if you're a solopreneur or, or a small business entrepreneur, no matter what, whether you want to be or not, you've got to market and sell your product. So are you learning that stuff? Are you moving forward? And most importantly, are you creating something of high value for the people that you're trying to serve? You do that, you're gonna you're already halfway there. Airbnb is not a famous app, you know, a famous brand because they marketed a lot. They're a really great product and people have come to love them. It's a good idea. That's why they've they've um, succeeded. Yes, and 
um, it's almost like uh, I guess it's a, a balance between creating a great product, but also just re- getting it out there in marketing. You know, before we bring this to an end, because uh, we're, mm-hmm. we're getting towards the the close of it, uh, I've got to talk about another issue. Mark, maybe I'll pick this up with you as well. Is that, and this has come uh, come about because of all the uh, guest interviews that I've done over the, the the time that I've been doing this podcast. Facebook. Now, Facebook was a wonderful way of uh, building a list. Um, about a year ago and i think earlier this year they changed the algorithm made it very hard to get your status updates in front of your fans have you noticed any changes and perhaps you can give us some guidance on what we could be doing uh, with uh, facebook to um you know to really negate some of these algorithm changes well i'm uh, first of all a disclaimer um, I have always hated Facebook. <laughs> so, so I, uh, you know, not a disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe. Uh, yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to say you. Uh, you uh, well, you, you said you were used to share. No, you no. That's a, that'd be disclosure. Um, no, this is uh, Facebook's a tough one, and here's why. Facebook was built on communicating with our friends, and then Facebook went public. And they needed to drive revenue, and they needed to have return on investment, and they stopped allowing us to communicate with our friends. And now to communicate with our friends, we have to pay money. And if you're a brand and you've worked hard over the last 10 years to build up 2.1 million likes on Facebook, then then Facebook has said that they're only going to allow you to talk to 6.5% or whatever the number is of them at a time unless you pay us money. And and I find that a little less than ethical. Um, I, I Everybody needs to make money. I get that. I don't fault them for that. But it just seems like they they let us build a house on their land and then they took the land away. And and so I'm, so I'm not a big fan of Facebook. But to answer your question, if you have even just a little bit of money, uh, a startup friend of mine, uh, studentlinkup.com, uh, he's in the middle of getting funding right now. He got over 200,000 likes for his product before his site ever launched. All it was was a landing page. And he did it by spending about $10 a day on Facebook ads. 200,000 likes for $10 a day. right? So there is a way you can do it. You just have to open the purse strings, purse strings a little bit and to make it happen. But but you know it works, and it's working for many, many brands now. Look what Red Bull's doing, Coca-Cola, even Bank of America. Despite you know the the here in the U.S., despite the fact that most people hate Bank of America, they're still doing a lot of a lot of work on Facebook, and they're turning people around. They're turning angry people into customers, and and they're doing that by by spending money and changing their brand image, uh, you know, through social media. So there is a way to do it. It's just not like how it used to be. Yeah, I was just my to, advice. Sorry, on, Ted, go on. on this. Yeah, that's okay. I'm sorry. It just my advice on this is just, and I know that I'm really extended on Twitter. Like, if somebody just pulled a plug and there there was no Twitter tomorrow, I'd be really disappointed because <laughs> I I am very I'm like a lobster, you know, a New England lobster with one big claw, uh, or like a crab, you know, one of the claws is really big. My big claw is Twitter, and and then the rest of the social media. It's not like I'm not engaged in them, but I'm you know less established, right? Um, 
if it went away, I'd be in trouble. If it switched the rules the way Facebook did, boy, I'd be really, really uh, put out, as as you know, Mark was pointing out, because they changed the rules. You know, after I've already invested in their game, I think anybody who invests in somebody else's social platform or, or any other type of platform, for that matter, you're really putting yourself out there. You're uh, you're opening yourself up to you know potential victimization down the line. Yeah, and I wanted to appeal to the audience and actually to the both of you as well, because I think there is a way of uh, attracting. I mean, the most important thing is getting uh, people off of your Facebook and uh, get get their email addresses, because then at least you have the ability to send them a newsletter and communicate with them directly. And you're not going to be succumb you know, succumb to this um, algorithm and uh, you know timeline status. So uh, to do that. Uh, we have interviewed a guest, uh, he was on a few shows ago, who has this very clever way of uh, running giveaways. And in fact, ironically, the giveaways were created by the guy who invented uh, Facebook timelines, a guy called Noah Kagan. And uh, uh, he came up with this uh, this uh, contest software. So it's a way of running giveaways on Facebook. And then people have to then go to the a giveaway page enter their email and then enter the contest and then you know there you go you've got their email and you then have a um a, i guess approval for communicating with them directly uh, have either of you come across this working uh, this giveaway type of strategy to get emails well i've heard of i've heard of similar programs and and i gotta tell you we love them in our book ted and i talk a lot about digital sharecropping and what you're talking about paul is is avoiding that. And if anybody's familiar with the sharecropping term, you know that that's a farmer that grows his crops but doesn't own the land, right? So if the if the uh, landlord, if the landowner wants to use that land for something else, all the work the farmer's done all those years is gone, right? And And that's what happens when you build the backbone of your business on one social platform or another. If the rules change, you you go the way of the sharecropper. You have you have no say. And what you're talking about, by making the direct connection, by engaging, by getting their email address, by getting their Twitter handle, by communicating with them, you've gone from using Facebook as a sharecropping site to a lead generation site. And that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, it's absolutely. I, I think that your guess is really savvy. Um, another thing that people can do is establish their own website and then do it there. So, for instance, at Switch and Shift, we have a, a giveaway. You you sign up for, you subscribe for our newsletter. You get a um, uh, a free, which you have to give your email to do that. You get a, a free um, uh, white paper as a um, you know as as a kind of thank you. You don't just say, give us your email. Some people might do that, but most will not. I certainly will not. But give me something of value, be it a chance at winning in a contest, which is great, by the way. It's great to um, get people to vote more than once and that type of thing. Get uh, Run a contest, give away something of value to them, but not of expense to you. Something like that, Absolutely. Yeah, so that, that, I just want to appeal then to the apps to tribe listening. You know, if you uh, do have a following on Facebook and you're worried about that, just uh, think about uh, how, how you could actually, uh, you know, uh, 
pull those uh, emails and, uh, and and at least communicate with your audience directly. And you know, Mark, I love that uh, phrase, the the sharecropping. I think that's uh, digital sharecropping as well. That's uh, really good. I'm going to make a note and uh, use that in the future. Um, we're getting to the end now. Is there any uh, Mark, Ted, um, before we say goodbye and ask for your contact details, is, is there anything uh, you'd like to say as final thoughts? Um, I, I guess I'll leave it to who, who wants to go first. Mark? I'll, I'll go first this time. I one of, the, one of the things that we found as we were writing A World Gone Social, Paul, was how important it was to grow our inner circle, to grow our social influence not among a quarter of a million followers, but like Ted alluded to earlier, the, you know, whatever the number is, if there's 20 people developing apps from home, then you need to become known as one of those 20 people. You know, if, if, if you're one of the 200 people that, that develop, um, you know, Mac apps for students, K through 12 students, then you need to know everybody else that does that too. And, and pretty soon we become we become part of our own circles, and and in in the book we call this uh, op- ordinary person extraordinary network open, and and that is especially for you know for the smaller groups that don't have the big budgets. That's the key because you want to be top of mind. Whenever somebody's talking about your niche, you need to be top of mind. And if you don't know everybody else who's doing that, and if you don't build relationships even with your competitors. Even with your competitors, you must know those people. You must know their strengths and their weaknesses because you never know when an opportunity might come along to work with a competitor because you happen to know something they don't or their secret sauce is different than yours. You have to build those relationships way before you need them. So so that that's that's my closing bit of advice is, is you you have to grow your inner circle. You, you have to develop your own open network and, and it's going to pay off in spades. And if I can just add to that, um, that's absolutely completely true for somebody who's you know on their own. Um, that's that comes open comes from section two of our book where we talk about how large companies are actually at a disadvantage. Um, the first chapter of that section is the death of large, and in each chapter we we focus on one kind of um, poster child for the you know one example company. In that one, we talk about Growth Hacker TV. There's only um, three partners own this company. Uh, speaking of stay-at-home dads who uh, also run a company, this, <laughs> this guy, Bronson Taylor, who is one of the founders and does all the interviewing for this, he, um, he works maybe two hours a day. But he'll be sitting there looking at his uh, phone while he's talking to, you know, to me, having a, an interview or what have you. And, oh, yeah, I just made $29. Again and again and again, because people are signing up while he's not working. We talk about how the nimble and nano corporation, nano is the term we use for the little tiny corporation that kind of, you know, gets bigger as the work is necessary and then smaller again, moves on to the next project. That is something that I think is the move for the future. So people who are who are sick of working for, quote, the man, um, really you know how much longer are they going to have to do that well this is i i've got to bring this to an end but what, what a fascinating discussion i recommend everyone now go and uh, go out and buy the uh, a world gone social uh, you know mark how can we best reach out and connect with you uh, what's the best way well you you can certainly find us on a world gone social.com and also on switchandshift.com 
And and we encourage everybody, Paul. Don't don't just come to the site and look around. You know, take a look, find something of value, contribute to the conversation. Reach out to to Ted and I on Twitter. Um, we're we're there quite a bit, um, or Facebook or LinkedIn. But but continue the conversation because that's how you get known. So find us, yes, but talk to us. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, contribute contribute to the to the to, to the circle that we have, and pretty soon you'll be in that one. Yeah, and I just want to reiterate on that, Mark, because you know I didn't know either of you two, and I reached out to you, and uh, you know you very kindly said yes to the interview, and uh, I just think everyone can do that. You know, don't be too scared if you're listening to this now and you're thinking about approaching someone that is an influencer in your world. Just go and reach out to them because we're all interconnected. It's amazing, and uh, you know the the worst that can happen is you get a no. Try me again in a in a in a month, and uh, I just feel that not enough people do that. So, so, Ted, how can we best get in touch with you? Well, okay, so Mark told you, you know, where to find us through uh, a worldgunsocial.com or switchandshift.com. And I'm always on Twitter, so you can, you can find my Twitter profile. Um, it's just Ted Coyne. Um, that, that's my name is my Twitter handle. But um, what you said is absolutely true. I will talk to anybody for an hour about me. Are you kidding me? Who wouldn't do that? So if you want to... <laughs> That's, I'm, I'm half joking because I actually don't find myself that interesting. I'd rather talk to other people about what they're up to. That's how I learn. But um, well, uh, Ted, I've got to confess. I've got to confess something. Actually, yeah. and one of the things I've got to confess Please. is that the reason I'm doing the, you know this podcast and it's daily is because I just love talking to people and. Uh, you know, I've yeah. I, I actually get a really high conversion rate on those emails that I send out to uh, invite people to you know be on the the show, and uh, it, it's just you know compared to a, a few years ago when I was using LinkedIn to try and you know sell an, an app or build an app or you know try and sell something, I mean you get no response. But pe- what I found is people yeah are very willing to uh, to come on the show and to just share ideas and. Uh, it's just a fascinating way of learning. And I mean, I've learned enormous amounts and my network has grown exponentially over the over the year that I've been doing this. So uh, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I do it because people say yes. So Paul, it's just a savvy way to do business. Um, you know, obviously the more people who are listening to your podcast, then the more people are going to say yes because when they have something that they want to get in front of a larger audience, uh, they'll want to be on your show. So this is a, a self-fulfilling, uh, virtuous circle where you're providing value by uh, providing your audience. Your audience is, is um, experiencing value by learning from these great minds that you have and the occasional guys like Mark and me as well. And then... Too <laughs> um, <Team> modest. <laughs> you know, everybody, there's not a single person who does not benefit from this. You're getting um, people coming to your website where then maybe, yeah, you can sign them up for your, um, for your uh, email list or something uh, like but, that. But, so, Ted, I also need to confess yeah. as well that, you know, in a year's time when we have 7 million downloads and uh, one of the big things about podcasting is people go back to past episodes and mm-hmm. re-listen to those. So, of course, that's when I'll be coming to you and saying, 
uh, yeah, I'll just be charging uh, f- <laughs> for you to get in front of my listeners and, uh, you know, do what ah. Facebook did. <laughs> See, that's the virtuous part of the circle right there. That's that's an entrepreneurial <laughs> mindset. I love it. Exactly. And, and then we'll uh, we'll say, oh, sure, yeah, you just have to pay us 100000 for the uh For the, the next interview, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, it could work in reverse, can't it? You could, I, I could have, like, this, this real big flow of, um, you know, podcast listeners to this show in the past and uh, – and then you could just phone me up one day and say, "Hey, you know that interview we did? Now we're going to charge you for royalties on the, on playing it." So, Paul, you don't you don't know this, but you just inspired one thousand two hundred and five app developers to start their own podcast. I know, yeah, seriously. But the thing is, you know what what we were joking about is just such bad karma. Um, it's not worth it. It's not worth it for anyone involved. Um, it's a really good way to trash your reputation. I guarantee you, someone will try that, um, but most will not to their benefit yeah so there you go let that be a lesson do not do what facebook did and uh... yeah, that's right <laughs> I know. well seriously it's it's not you know at some point facebook could become the next myspace uh my understanding is myspace still exists but yeah i haven't run into it so uh there's nothing written in stone that says we will always be on facebook and Ted, right, how, uh, how do we magic. how do we reach out to you? And what, what's your? You said your Twitter handle, didn't you? So I think we're. Um... I think the the best way is visit aworldgonesocial dot com. All of our social connections are right there, so you can you know go from there to Twitter to LinkedIn to email, and um, you know we'll uh, we'll be very happy to hear from you. Well, it just leaves me to say to the both of you, uh, you know, I've loved this every minute of it. I was a bit worried about being uh, interviewing both of you at the same time, and it's worked out great. And as three work from home dads, we've managed to go through the entire episode without talking about our kids. So uh, we'll save that. And for only the, one the phone show. call. <laughs> yeah, only one phone That's call. Right. Maybe that was Mark ringing Ted there, <laughs> just to show off. Uh, okay, great. Uh, wonderful. Thanks for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Uh, all the best with uh, your book. If there's anything we can do as, a, as an Appster tribe or as podcast listeners, we can, we can help you out. So um, all the best with everything that's going on. Thank you, Paul. Thanks so much for having us, Paul. It was a blast. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast.